Today, God wants to unveil iffy faith. This is going to encourage and, like, ruin your life at the same time. <laughs> so just for defining terms, we're going to say, what is faith? It's important to know what is faith if we're going to have, an, you know, a descriptor of faith being iffy. You know, what is faith? Has anyone ever felt, like, kind of unsure of themselves as a Christian? Anybody? Okay, three of you are honest. All right. How many of you have felt like not sure of yourself as a believer? Uh, yeah, okay. Like maybe this is God, maybe it's not. Yeah, okay. Ha. That's called iffy faith. And it's not bad. It's awesome. I'm going to help you today. The Lord's going to help us today. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking through your word. Through your word. We want your word to be paramount in our hearts. We want to be a people in love with the word of God. Come on, say amen to that. I want to be a person in love with the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation. We have it on the screens for you, but you can turn in your Bible if you'd like. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation because it's just a fresh expression of an eternal truth. It's a fresh expression. So maybe you, you know, sometimes when I, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible or hear the Bible, the same way I've always heard the Bible, it becomes stale. Anybody? Yeah? So this is just to help us, you know. I, I, I am not a only passion translation. I have an ESV up here that I read every day. I have lots of translations, actually. So I'm a little bit of a junkie when it comes to translations. But this is so fresh. Listen to this. Now, faith, this is the, the passage that defines faith, okay? Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Come on, get a picture of this. Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Faith is mas importante, see? <laughs> it is all the evidence required. All the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. That's a radical statement right there. <laughs> it is all the evidence required. Say all the evidence. Required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. And that's Hebrews 10, and all, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11. After this, it goes into the hall of faith. All the different people, Abraham, Sarah, amazing people. And faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. Whew, that's amazing. Isn't that an incredible statement? Yeah. I love the Bible. I don't know. I just love the Bible. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. This is why you should be slow to speak, because your words create. You know, one of the colloquialisms I hate is actions speak louder than words. That is a half-truth and therefore poison. You know why it's a half-truth? Because actions speak louder than words depending on who's speaking. You're saying your actions speak louder than God's words? Your actions are more defining than God's word? I would call that arrogance. Your actions will never speak louder than his word. 
get over it. Just just blink your eyes and get over it. Like, okay. <laughs> the whole universe was created beautifully coordinated and created by the power of God's word. And when we speak, we co-create with something. You're co-creating with one spirit or the other. <laughs> you co-create with Holy Spirit or the not-so-Holy Spirits. Next time someone is mean to you, if you, go, if you say they're an idiot, I'm just bringing it down to earth for you, putting your feet on the ground. You're co-creating something with the wrong spirit. If somebody acts like an idiot, which just happens, I've done it. Anybody else acted like an idiot this week, today? Yeah, okay. Hello. <laughs> if that happens, here's what you should say. That is so unlike them. Because they're made in the image of God, and God is not an idiot. So they don't know who they are. You could even get away with saying they did something really idiotic. You can get away with that. Because God talks that way. God says, oh, that was stupid what you did. But he never says you are stupid. He says that was stupid. That was partnering with the spirit of stupid. <laughs> right? All right. That was, a, that was totally free and not in today's message. Somebody needed to hear that. Come on. Slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. In that order, by the way. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You have to listen in order to speak. The only reason you can speak is because you heard something once, and now you're speaking it. Slow to speak comes after quick to listen. All right. Take that. Take it. He spoke, God spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. That's what faith is right there. Okay? Are you okay? Some of you look a little nervous. Are you okay? I know this environment might not be whatever. If I mean, you can, whatever. You're not even going to. This is a free house where we can be ourselves. And if you want to be yourself, please do it. You're allowed. If I think it's inappropriate, I'll stop it. That's my job. Ha, 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 ha. I love it. You know, I never wanted to do this, but now I'm in love with it. Now I'm in love with it. I am. So the thing you need to get in your cabeza from your spirit to your head, because it's not a drop from your head to your heart. It's a bubbling up from the spirit to the head. And if you'd worship, it would go a lot faster. Wisdom rolls downhill when your head's below your heart. The thing you need to get into your head is that there's a difference between the gift of faith and the walk of faith. Say the gift of faith. Say the walk of faith. The gift of faith is listed as one of the many gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, you can write that down. That's where the gift of faith is listed. The gift of faith. Let me define the gift of faith for you. It's assuredness and accuracy. It means you're sure of something is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. That's faith. It's the unseen birthing into the scene, right, like we just read. You're sure it's going to happen, and it actually happens. So this is not the gift of faith. I know this is going to happen, and it doesn't happen. That's not the gift of faith. Let me bring you, bring you to 
authentic kingdom. This is the kingdom of God in its authentic form. Okay? This is not hype. This is hope. Different, one letter difference. Big, massive implication. I'm giving you hope right now, believe it or not. If you say it's going to happen and it doesn't happen, the exact way you said it was going to happen, let me be totally clear, that wasn't the gift of faith. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Everybody's getting nervous. All right? The walk of faith, as opposed to the gift of faith, the gift of faith is assuredness and accuracy. Say assuredness and accuracy. The, the walk of faith is risk. The walk of faith is defined in 2 Corinthians 5.7. You can write that down. 2 Corinthians 5.7. That says we walk not by sight but by faith. We walk not by what we see but by faith. Now, that's the kind of faith I want to talk about today. Iffy faith. The walk of faith. Because this will really help you. Who's been a, a believer for more than 10 years? Raise your hand. Okay. This will really help all of you. Let me help you. Many of us are waiting for the gift of faith to act in obedience. God says something and we're waiting. You don't know it, but you're often waiting for assuredness and accuracy. That's why you need five confirmations, two fleeces, and a few prophetic words. And let me release you from that pressure. The walk of faith and the gift of faith are very different. They're both vital and needed. The walk of faith is the constant. The gift of faith is like interjected in your life over and over. It's a, it's a constant in some people's lives. Some people operate in a high gift of faith. Some people don't, and that's okay. The gift of faith. Sandy Holman is someone who operates in a, all the time in the gift of faith. She says stuff, and it happens. <laughs> I just, and I'm okay with the fact that I don't operate in that gift the same way. Right? Come on, somebody. I prophesy stuff and it doesn't happen. It's very frustrating when someone on your team is better at this thing than you, you know. <laughs> it's actually awesome. I like it because it means we need each other. So let me release you from the pressure of operating in the gift of faith, knowing for sure it's going to happen and being accurate. Let me invite you into the walk of faith, which I would call iffy faith. Iffy faith. Faith is the only thing that feels risky but is in, is in fact no risk at all. Faith is the only thing that feels risky, but is no risk at all. It's the only thing that will feel like a risk, but actually isn't. Because God loves to be believed. Even if you get it wrong, God loves that you stepped. God loves your attempt. God is in love with your attempts. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The, the younger people, 6th to 12th grade people, you need to hear me right now. God is in love with your attempt. God is not in love with your result. God is in love with your try. I'm just going to try. I'm going to try to pray. I'm going to try to read the Bible. I'm going to try to give a prophetic word. I'm going to try to pray for the sick. God is in love with the try. God is in love with that attempt. You think, ooh, this may be God. I'm going to try. Oh, he freaks out. He loves it. I'm telling you, I can prove this to you with the Bible. Isn't that fun when, you know, ideas come from the Bible? <laughs> Instead of trying to make the Bible fit your idea. 
which is 90% of the pulpits in America. I don't care. We need to. I'm not calling any one person out or any, I'm calling a principle out. You have an idea and you look for the idea in the Bible, that's a problem. When you read the Bible, it gives you an idea, that's what you should talk about. All right. Maybe that was for someone online, all the other professional Christians over there. No one here. That was for no one here. Uh, uh, we're going to read a lot of the Bible in Matthew 14 today. So you can turn there or if you have your version app, I'm also going to have all of this on the screens for you because I'm reading in the Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read starting in verse 22. And this is the story of Peter walking on water. Now, one of the things I need you to get into your cabeza is that Peter was yet to be redeemed. This is an unredeemed man before the cross who walked on water. What is our excuse? <laughs> the bright answer. <laughs> you might think, oh, that was just for the Bible times. You're still in Bible times, by the way. <laughs> There's still stuff unfulfilled in the Bible that's ha not happened yet. <laughs> You're in the times of the Bible. Matthew 14, 22, this is Peter and the disciples, they get into the boat. So here it is. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. You all know that story, right? Miracle, amazing. As soon as the people were fed, Jesus told his disciples to get into their boat and go to the other side of the lake while he stayed behind to dismiss the people. I'm, that right there, go back. That is, right there is a boss move, all right? You understand, like, Jesus was constantly being mobbed by people for healing, for all this stuff. He was constantly, he had to, like, get, run away from crowds, basically, all right? Jesus always had a crowd. The thing was, the crowd never had Jesus. It's the difference. Jesus is seeker-friendly. What seeker is Jesus not friendly towards? Name them. The difference comes when the seeker has the one who's being sought. Jesus always had a crowd. A crowd never had Jesus. That's who we need to be. So he dismisses the crowd all by himself. Then he just fed over five, you know, 5,000 is just the men. It was more like 9,000, maybe more. Nine to 11,000 is what most scholars estimate. He just fed nine to 11,000 people with two loaves and three fishes. And then he's like, all right, go home now. If one of us pulled that off now, we would have a really hard time dismissing the meeting. You know what I mean? Anyway, I just think that's cool. I'm just helping you think through these things. All right. After the crowds dispersed, that means he was successful, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. It's actually the only thing that God, that it says Jesus did often. It's not in this passage. It's one of the uh, parallel passages. It says that Jesus often got alone to pray. It's the only thing that Jesus is listed as often doing. See, one time in your Bible it says Jesus often did something. He often got alone to pray. It's the one often, the single often in your Bible. I think that's important. Let's be like Jesus. How about that? But the disciples, so he's alone to pray. But the disciples, who were now in the middle of the lake, ran into trouble. For their boat was tossed about by the high winds and the heavy seas. At about 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the waves. Wow. When the disciples saw him walking on top of the water, 
They were terrified and screamed, a ghost! I'm just, pause, I'm, I'm read preaching, okay? I'm, I'm reading and preaching sometimes. This, you have to understand a little bit of cultural context. They're on the Sea of Galilee. There was a myth in that time and in that area that, oh, I can't remember the name of this spirit, but the Pharisees actually had a, they were very spiritual. The Sadducees were not spiritual. That's why they were sad, you see. The Pharisees were very spiritual. And they had a myth and a mystical legend that at night, between three to six, you ever heard of the witching hour? This is where it came from. Between 3 to 6, around 3 o'clock, th- which is 4 o'clock in the morning, there would be this demon who would walk on the water of the Sea of Galilee, and they would, it would abduct their children and drown them in the lake. And Jesus decided to do something very similar to that thing. I love Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? He's like, this is going to freak him out real bad. <laughs> you know? He's up alone on the mountain. He's like, God, what do we do today? He's, God's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to scare them crapless. You're going to just. When they say it's a ghost, there's grammatical, there's text. There's scholars who believe that they were literally, some of them were shouting the name of that demon. It's the demon, and it's actually a female demon, so they even got the gender wrong. It's the she-demon who steals our children and drowns them in the lake. More than, oh, it's Casper. No, you need to understand, culturally, these dudes were flipping a lid, freaking out, terrified. God did something, and they were terrified. Sound familiar? Oh, God wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? God wouldn't move, wouldn't do it that way. Have you read your Bible? <laughs> Jesus is in the habit of freaking people out. He wants you to get out of your mind and into his. He wants you out of your mind. <laughs> Jesus came to them walking on the waves, and they screamed, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, be brave and don't be afraid. I am here. Now, this could actually be translated, the here is not there. It could be translated simply as, I am. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am. He was identifying himself as God walking on the lake. You think this is the demonic, but I am. <laughs> you thought it was the devil, but I am is doing it. This was a confession that he was revealing himself as God. Now, that's very important for the next part because Peter shouted out. And this is where, this is, I love this. I love this. Go ahead to the next slide there. Peter shouted out and he said, Lord, if, if it's really you, have me join you on the water. Now, I'm going to talk about the big if there in a minute. But the word Lord, Lord is actually the Greek substitution for Yahweh. Peter got it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am. Peter says, Yahweh. Peter says, God, Jesus says, I, this is God doing this. And Peter says, God acknowledges the, the statement of Jesus. And then he says, if this is you. Call me out on the water. Have me join 
you on the water. And Jesus replied, come and join me. Jesus replied there. So Peter stepped out into the water and began to walk toward Jesus. A human being before the ascension of Christ, not filled with the Holy Ghost, just in the proximity of what God is doing. <laughs> Walks on the water. Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus on an if. God, this might be you. <laughs> I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I, I mean, I've, I, every time I'm there, I put my hand in the water just to check. Like, yep, still just water. <laughs> Looking for rocks or something, you know. I've been all around that lake. You get on a boat and you go, we'll be on a boat together in Israel if you go. And you can try it. If God gives you a word, you can just try it out. Just <laughs> please let the, you know. I heard from my friend D. Franks, when listening to the Spirit, he gave the greatest advice ever. He says, hear the Lord and don't be wrong. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> that applies in this situation. If that's God, that's cool. Just don't be wrong. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the rest of the story you're familiar with, I'm just going to read it, though. It says, but when he realized, Peter, how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have, why would you let doubt win? Now, that word little is not quantity. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not quantity. It's, what's the word for time? I'm trying to, what? It's duration. Thank you. The word little literally means you had such brief faith. Everybody wants bigger faith. God doesn't care about your big faith. He cares about your bold faith that doesn't back down no matter what. When Jesus said in Matthew 17, you couldn't cast out the demon, the boy, remember? He was throwing himself in the fire and the water. He says, because you had such a brief faith. It's the Greek word for short. Why was your faith so short? Why did you give up so soon? He wasn't rebuking him for having tiny faith. And in Matthew 17, that's where he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, a mountain will jump. Doesn't that passage make a lot more sense now? What's smaller than a mustard seed? Nothing. That's the point. It's not about how big your faith is. It's about how long you keep it in the game. It's about persisting in faith. You don't need more faith. Stop it. Stop. We've all been given a measure of faith. Quit it. You don't need more. You need to be bulldogged, pit bull-like about believing God, never giving up. That's a good word. What brief faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased, and all the disciples crouched down before him and worshiped Jesus. Can you see this? Like Peter and Jesus get in the boat. Peter's a little wet. Jesus isn't. And they start worshiping Jesus. Like the wind stopped. It's chaos. And then they get in the boat, and the wind stopped. Now, just looking at this, it's, this is not what I'm talking about today, but it's pretty radical to me that Jesus didn't, like, you know, stop the storm first and then walk on the waves. He's like, I'm going to walk in the midst of this chaos. And then he didn't even stop him before Peter got out. He goes, you're going to walk in the midst of chaos. That's called iffy faith. 
They said in adoration, you are truly the son of God. And this is actually the first apostolic uh, confession of Christ as the son of God. The first one. They all said, you are the son of God. Listen to me. Iffy faith is the water walking kind. Iffy faith is the water walking kind. You think Peter was operating in the gift of faith? You think he was sure that it was going to work out? <laughs> no, he had a big old if. And an if is all you need. Iffy faith is the water walking kind. Peter was saying, God, you can pull that down, Hudson. Peter was saying, God, if this is you speaking to me, prove it. If this is you doing the thing that's freaking me out, let me do the thing that's freaking me out. And I'll freak some other people out. So the next time something's going on in a church service or, you know, whatever, and someone claims it's God, your response shouldn't be, that's not God. Because that's pretty arrogant for you to feel like you know. <laughs> your response should be, God, if that's you, let me do it. <laughs> that takes humility because you probably don't like the thing that they're doing. <laughs> I had this experience the first time I went to Israel. I was Caleb the crier, okay? Some of my friends know me from my church at that point. I was Caleb the crier. I had just been through a divorce. It was terrible. She left me for a friend of a friend. It was awful. Terrible. I was crying all the time. Months. Nine months of crying. July? Wow, it was nine months. <laughs> I just figured something out. <laughs> and then I went on a trip to Israel, and I'm around all these laughing people with George and Wayne. They're like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, I wasn't prejudiced, but I was, like, concerned for their sanity. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know what I said? In Bethlehem, night two. It only took me until night two. Because the dinners are, like, just blissed out wild. You can't just eat dinner. You, you get, you have a feast mm -hmm. on the Lord is what I mean. So... I, I, second night of dinner, I said, God, if this laughing thing is you, prove it. Let me do it. Get me in it. Put me on the water. And I started, ha, 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 That's where the ha, ha came from. The ha, ha was birthed right there in that moment. Because I said, if this is you, call me out to you. And God said, oh, it's me, baby. Come on, let's do it. I do that joy thing. It's the third of the kingdom, actually, so. You should be suspect of people who teach you things about God who have no joy. Because they at least don't know about a third of the kingdom. It's a big deal. I don't want to hear about your righteousness plan if you have no peace or joy. Peter was saying, if this is you speaking to me, God, then empower me to do what you're doing. If this is you speaking, then help me to do the thing that is freaking me out. You have to understand, I'm going to go quickly now. Faith is transactional. Faith is the purchasing power of the unseen realm. Okay? It, it, we're saved by grace through faith. Right? And when we see the, in the unseen, we access the supernatural power of God. Stick with me. Re, uh, Revelation 3.18, you can write this down. Revelation 3.18 says, I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. The gold is Jesus. It's the revelation of Christ. 
Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, but wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Buy it. How? Faith. Knowing the source of it. Peter purchased, stick with me, purchased the ability to walk on the water by saying, if it is you, call me out to you. That was the mustard seed of faith that Peter walked with and it resulted in the ability to come to Jesus on the water. Faith is transactional. God honors iffy faith. The other side of this, and this is just me just putting, putting the, the heavy right in the middle of the fun, all right? Here's the heavy. Stick with me. Delayed obedience is hidden disobedience. <laughs> you didn't get it because <laughs> when you delay your obedience, you're actually in hidden disobedience. I just don't know if it's God. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't do it. That's hidden disobedience. And it comes through a lack of revelation. I'm giving you, I'm taking that excuse from you today. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm removing your excuse. I'm just not sure. I'm giving you a key. You're wanting the gift of faith. God's called you to walk by faith. And so from now on, you need to know that if you feel like you're supposed to maybe do something for God or with God or to, you know, in love or whatever, if, 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 if it gets iffy, you best be stepping, all right? So because you don't need to be sure in the walk of faith. It's a lifestyle of risk. You need to write this down. It's a lifestyle of risk based on the faithfulness of God. It's a lifestyle of risk based on his faithfulness. It's a lifestyle. In the Mark account of this story, it says they did not understand about the loaves. Remember the 5,000 miracle? The miracle preceding this was the feeding of the 5,000. And it says they did not understand about that, and their hearts were hardened. All right? Here it is. If you're waiting to be sure about everything, then you're in need, you're in need of facts, and you're not operating in faith. If you're waiting to be sure, then you want facts and not faith. I just need another confirmation. I just need to be sure. I need to be sure. No, listen. If you had the gift of faith, you would be sure already. So if you're not sure, it's called time to walk it out. The walk of faith. And even if it gets dicey and you start to sink, Jesus is there to catch you. It's just win-win. If you need a bunch of confirmations, I would doubt that you're walking by faith. Delayed obedience is hidden disobedience. I love you, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Now Peter listened to the Lord and immediately got out of the boat. There was no hesitation. He said, if it's you, call me out to you. He said, come. Boom, I'm stepping. So you can use this tool. It's a tool. Use this. God, if that's you, prove it. If that's you, prove it through me. That's the key. Through me. Let me in on it. Give me the supernatural ability to walk on the water. Give me the supernatural ability. If you're calling me to buy this building, bring the money in. If you're calling me to do that thing, empower me to do it. And then you just walk. Come on. The other disciples stayed in the boat and were not part of the miracle. And Peter often in the, in the scriptures is actually known as the spokesman of the disciples. We all think Peter was constantly putting his foot in his mouth. He was actually the one that they shoved to the front. He was just the guy that they were like, Peter will say it. He'll say it. He was the boldest one. He's like, Peter, Pete will say it. Yeah, it's in, it's in uh, the book of Acts. In, on the day of Pentecost, it says, and the other, put, basically some translations say, the others encouraged Peter to speak. The others put Peter up in front of the people. 
He was constantly the spokesperson. So when, he, when Peter said, if it is you, you could actually assume that the other disciples are like, hey, Pete, ask him. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> ask, ask God if it's God. <laughs> Peter, go figure this out for us. We'll sit here in the boat. So the invitation, you need to get this. The invitation was for all of them to come. The invitation was for everyone to walk on water. Peter was walking by faith. And the disciples, the other disciples were in the boat afraid. You need to, you need to know this. Fear and faith use the same muscle. Fear is just faith pointed in the wrong direction. That's a thought we're thinking about. Fear is simply faith pointed in the wrong direction. Because if you're afraid of something happening, it hasn't happened yet. You have a confidence of things you don't hope for. You've got an assuredness of things you don't want to see. You're using your faith muscle, muscle to, be out, to not have hope, to not have joy, to be afraid. So if, if you struggle with fear in here, you need to be encouraged. You've got a high capacity for faith. You've been struck with fear your whole life? Man, you're a faith walker. You just don't know it. Who knows what will happen? You point that thing in the other direction. Who knows if you start assuming that good things are going to happen instead of bad things? Just assume. Oh, I can't get, I, my boss is calling me into, into his office. Fear says, you're going to get in trouble. Faith says, I'm going to get a promotion. <laughs> it's iffy. God honors iffy faith. And I got to close here. So don't wait until the gift of faith to believe and obey. If you're waiting for the gift of faith, assuredness and accuracy, remember, if you're waiting to be sure and make sure you're accurate, that'll keep you stuck in the boat. Scared of ghosts, by the way. Stuck in the boat, scared of ghosts. The walk of faith is a life of risk based on the faithfulness of God. You need to write that down. Take, if you don't hear anything else, don't hear anything else, every age, every person in here, middle school, high school, adult, all of you, you need to understand that the life of faith, this thing about following God is going to feel risky, but it's based on his faithfulness. And the more you step out, you're going to see his faithfulness. It just happens. I went one year with no income. I went to five countries, paid off a credit card bill, got married, went on two honeymoons, and got a car in 12 months. I put it in a book called Living Independenceville. I did not have an income. I paid off a credit card with no income. How did that happen? I didn't actually ask anyone for money. God told me to take a year with no income, and that's what happened. It's a lifestyle of risk based on the faithfulness of God. Come on. Here's the deal. God is calling every one of us out of the boat and onto the water. Every single person listening to me right now online, you're all being called out of the boat. You're being called out right now into a new season of water walking. Don't harden your hearts. And especially don't harden your heart because all you have is an if. I'm just not sure. That's all you need right there. It might be God. That's all you need. 
Invite God to confirm it. Invite God to empower you, but walk it out. Don't sit still. It's kind of like, did anyone take driver's ed? You know, you, did they tell you to not dry steer? Anyone? I got in big trouble for that in high school. They're like, start moving and then turn the wheel. I'm like, why? I'll just turn the wheel and then, boop, there I go. It seems more efficient. And the guy would, like, get on to me over and over. He's like, stop dry steering. I'm like, Pfft. He's like, stop turning the wheel before you move. And I'm like, why? He says, because when you sit still and turn, you wear out the tires. And some of you are really tired in your faith walk because you're sitting still turning the wheel. You're wearing out the tires. That's why you're tired. God wants you to move. An object in motion is easier to turn. It'll be refreshing. You start walking and start seeing some success. And God will say, no, no, left, right, left. God will do it. Come on, let this encourage you. Here's the deal. Let me, let me close with this. Because 2019 is the year of the yes. If TRP feels like something you might want to contribute to, if, you need to start. If you feel like maybe you might need to start serving somewhere, if all you got is an if, you need to start. This is not pressure. This is an invitation to water walking. You want to stay in the boat? Or you want to be part of the miracle that is the resting place? Yeah, that's right. I'm bringing that up and tying this in because I got this word from the Lord, this message on December 17th. And then a, a few days later, uh, we found out about the building that we're raising money for. And some of you are already got some iffy faith. <laughs> Some of you are already walking in iffy faith, I can tell you for sure. Because we don't even have a contract on it yet. We just believe we're going to. I had a dream. You, there's a video online. I can't go into it all night, all, all of it right now. But we believe it's God. And some of you have walked already on some water with iffiness because we don't even have a contract down. Like, this is crazy. We're raising money without a contract on a building. We're raising money for a building without a contract on the building. Now, you need to know if this building doesn't work out, those funds will be used for another building. Like, that's what I have to say because we're a 501c3, you know, nonprofit, and I have a lawyer for an executive pastor, and he's squirming right now in North Carolina watching the live stream, I'm sure. <laughs> Caleb, you can't say that all the time. He's like, Caleb. Oh, he's a gift. Scott's a gift. Scott is a gift. Some of you have iffy faith because we have already raised $9,412 for that building. In one week, in one week, we announced it last week, and we, you all have given, and we have a matching giver, uh, a $5,000 matching campaign through the end of the year. So if you give $1, it turns into 2 If you give 10 it turns into 20 You give 100 it turns into 200 all the way up to $5,000. So we're a few hundred dollars away from that, and so I'm inviting you to give to the vision of the house, okay? So I'm going to have the restoration team come up, and I'm going to actually, yeah. I'm going to have Sandy and the team come up. And I want to read you what you'd be giving towards. This is our vision statement. I read it every week in Fresh Start. And this is not like end of the year giving stuff. I'm really uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, welcome to the club. Whatever. I'm uncomfortable right now. So those who are comfortable are in no need of the comforter. <laughs> I'm stepping out of the boat right now. Because I don't like even talking about money. The Lord's dealing with me, okay? He's dealing with me about it. Because it's been so manipulated. And we want cheerful givers who give out of conviction from the Holy Ghost. We say it all the time. If you can't give with a smile on your face, please keep your money. 
Give it to a, another organization that feeds the hungry tomorrow called Chick-fil-A. Okay? Give it somewhere else. <laughs> Some of you got that. Yeah. But the vision of this house will move at the pace of our generosity. The vision of this house is going to move at the pace of our generosity. The reason, by the way, we don't have a contract yet is because the seller is on vacation and he's not answering our emails. But he promised he would as soon as he gets back. So if you're going to give today to the resting house in general or if you're going to do it in the building fund, you have to designate building, write it on the envelope or in the drop down online. There's a text to give thing. Harrison, can we put that up there? Sorry, buddy. I'm all out of order today. If you're going to do that, you have to designate building fund or else we won't know that it goes into the matching. If you want it to be matched, you know. So if you're going to give, this is what you're giving to. You're not just giving to a shell, a warehouse, stage, lights, things like that. You're giving towards a vision. Here is the vision. I'm going to read this thing in its entirety. And I need you, I'm inviting you to see this with me. This is a vision the Lord gave me and my team. And this is what we see. That if we, we accomplish our mission of the lost being found, the found being free, peace reigning in our city, if we keep our core values of honoring everyone, empowering everyone, having faith for everyone, this is what's going to happen in Tampa Bay right here. I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. I definitely have some assuredness about this. I'm just looking for people who will partner with this vision. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, here it is. We see the righteousness of God becoming attractive again as it was in the days of Jesus. We see a people so in love with their journey in God that others beg to join them on the way. We see thousands of people coming to the Lord every week in the Tampa Bay region. Every week. Thousands of people. Weekly. We see passionate worshipers from all backgrounds and cultures raising the same banner of love over Tampa Bay. We see multiple generations holding hands and taking each other. I can't read that without getting messed up. I practiced this because I didn't want to cry. We see multiple generations holding hands and taking each other into their arms while celebrating the goodness of God in their midst. We see a fruitful people. Filled with passionate love, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirits. We see a people in love with the word of God again. We see every level of influence in our city saturated with a heart level motivation called love. We see defenders of justice stepping up into every realm of influence and pleading the cause of the orphan, the widow, and the poor. We see poverty, homelessness, drug addiction, human trafficking, all as historical footnotes in Tampa Bay's history books. History, man. Ancient history. We see family values, uh, the family values of God ruling every decision made in our public and private schools. And every entity that degrades people being uprooted from the Tampa Bay area. Every entity. I don't care what realm. I'm talking about church, politics, every entity that degrades people uprooted. That's what I see. We see all of this in our lifetime. 
We see all of this in our lifetime. Because it's going to pave the way for generations to come. It's about legacy. It's about continuing to carry the gospel. That's what you're going to give towards if you're going to give. That's what you're giving towards right there. Right there. Yeah, you can clap for it. It's good. It's good. So would you stand? Whew. Facilities facilitate. And a building that we can be in 24-7 will facilitate all of that. That's what will happen. People say, oh, you don't need a building. You just need house churches. I'm like, uh, they met in the temple and house to house. Sorry. We need a gathering place to encounter Jesus together. We do. We're called the resting place. We need a place to rest. We need to become the resting place of God. That's you, by the way. You are the resting place. The building isn't the resting place. You are the resting place. You're a walking bed for God. You're the resting place of the Most High. But God, we need a resting place to rest together, to invite the community of Tampa into rest. Amen? So, Father God, we say thank you, Jesus. Come on. Would anyone say that with me? Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this house. Thank you for the prophetic words that have come forth today. We say yes and amen to every desire you have, God. We don't say yes and amen to every idea we have. We say yes and amen to every desire of your heart. And God, this vision, we submit it to you. You can change it. You can adapt it. You can move it around. But this is what we're walking on. This is our if. And no matter what it looks like, you have our yes. Even pastoring a church. <laughs> no matter where it takes me, no matter where it takes us, you have our yes. No matter what the sacrifice, including our reputations, our money, no matter what the sacrifice, you have our yes. Because you are worth it all, Jesus. You are worth it all. We love you. We exalt you. We honor you, God.